following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, episode 785 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today, lovely, the talented and the scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody. Well, we've been getting out more, walking around a lot. A lot. I mean, maybe not compared to some, but compared to how we used to do it, a lot. And this is naturally translated into an increase in the frequency of the appearance of rats in our general vicinity. Yes. Which has been horrific and very disturbing. For some. <laughs> For me. Yes. You were also disturbed, though. Well, it was... Are you talking about the... The rat with no eyes. The the no-eyed rat. Yes. Yes. It was quite disturbing because this was... Now, normally when we see rats, it is... Nighttime. That is the most common time to see rats. Not always, yeah, but it's the most common they're time. They're more nocturnal than one might expect, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what more than what? I don't fucking know. Um so that that's the most common time. And that's probably why my rat count is not higher than it is right now. Is it at twenty or twenty one now? It's at twenty one. Okay. And I'm also counting dead rats in the count. Which we do stumble upon. Smash. We actually stumbled upon one seconds after encountering the the rat that I put on TikTok. Yeah. (laughs) So what happened with this rat? This was an unusual rat. It was daytime and we happened to be walking in an alley behind where we live, which if I wanted to see a rat every day, all I would need to do is go into this alley every single night. Put a lawn chair. In, in the neighborhood count, alley. It would just exponentially oh, grow. Yeah. And you might be counting the same several rats over and over, but you wouldn't know. Exactly. Unless, unless it was this particular very sad rat. Yeah, so this rat stood out because it didn't run away at all. It didn't indicate that it gave a shit about our presence at all. Just going about its business in the alley. Accurate. Completely unaffected by our presence. Accurate. And it was large. It was a very large rat. It wasn't as robust as some of the rats I've seen. Okay. But it's a pretty large rat, though. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a small cat-sized rat. Yeah. So we followed it? Well, we were walking in that direction. Yeah. We walked in the direction that it was walking. And it was out of... It was like on the chain link fence. Yeah. Well, at... Should I play the clip? Sure. So this is after it had diverted from our path and climbed onto a chain link fence. And that is when you got closer to inspect it. And realized, oh shit, it only has one eye. Mm-hmm. Only to find out later, it was a little worse than that. One-eyed rat friend. 
He's a no eye rat. All right, I think we need to leave. <laughs> Your reaction, seriously, is absolutely the best. Well, I was getting concerned because the rat with no eyes looked right at us and. I don't know if it's going to get scared. Did you and, think it looked and, into your soul? And charge at us, or who knows well, what see, it's that, capable of. Now listen, I'm not skittish about animals, mm-hmm. even gross freak animal, animals in the alley. Um, <laughs> but it is a little concerning when they show zero fear of you. Yes. Like, no, like, oh, I'm standing in front of a danger, this, this giant ginger freak could step on my head and kill me yeah yeah no no i'm 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 right here i'm i'm not afraid Mm -hmm. that is a little disconcerting absolutely and there were a lot of different responses to you putting this on tiktok and some of them were a lot of people feeling real bad for the rat listen i i'm not um i'm not not in that group it it is sad (laughs) i don't want to say yeah i'm a big fan of the rat But it is sad. The animal's clearly in a fucking bad way. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a living creature. Yeah. But, uh, you know, with all of the, everything going on, I'm, my sympathies are, they're busy elsewhere. Well, also there were people saying that they have pet rats. And yeah, so it not gives the them same like, fucking thing. It gives them like a unique perspective on the suffering of this rat in particular. Yeah. And there's such a profound rat problem in this city that if you love rats, please come get them because there are so many millions and millions of rats. You can adopt all kinds of rats here. Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is adoption central for you. And and by the way, I just want to tell you, if you are one of these people who wants to come to Washington DC and save all the rats, they are disease free. All of them (laughs) don't have any worries about that. Come on, load up your car Come on down. So listen to these numbers. There is a rodent control division of the District of Columbia Department of Health. Of course there is. And they keep numbers. And they're, by the way, not doing a great job. They keep keep numbers on rat complaints. And in 2018, there were 5,553 rat complaints. How bad does it have to be to lodge a complaint? That's not just somebody seeing a rat. Well, we'll get to that. Oh, you have information? (laughs) Well, I don't necessarily have information on that, but I do have suggestions they give you for the rat situation. I'm here for it. So in 2020... That number grew to 7,843, which mm. is a 40% increase in rat complaints wow. that they received from 2018 to 2020. So plenty of rats if people are in the adoption spirit. So do they think that, I'm just trying to extrapolate you know, with my giant math brain, do they think that there are more rats because of the pandemic? Because 18 to 20, now we're talking pandemic time. Yeah, that's one thing that they talked about could be a possibility is that more people were working from home, which created more ordering food at oh, home. Oh, yeah. And then not properly disposing of your trash. As which you like is, to say, Brittany, it's all connected. It is all connected. And that's one of the rodent control tips that the District of Columbia offers residents on their website, which is... Don't Uber Eats. No. (laughs) Storing your garbage in a heavy container with a tight-fitting lid. All right. Let let me tell you this. All right. Really doesn't matter. Yeah, they chew right through the fucking lids. If you walk through this city, you see trash cans everywhere, and they all have holes in them, and they all have clean little neat holes. That's right. (laughs) 
surgically chewed through holes. Not like, oh, that that can's just weathered and old. Yeah. It's determined little fucking rats. Yeah. I know there's Uber Eats trash in there and I'm getting to it. Exactly. Yeah. It's almost like they figured out how to use power tools and have <laughs> little jigsaws. Yeah. <laughs> that's how nice rat that's, skill saws. It's how nice some of these holes look. Oh yeah. So <laughs> you can call three one one to report rodent incidents, uh, rodent complaints. I don't know what that would mean. You asked what that means. I don't necessarily know what that means, but I imagine that it would have to be quite substantial to take out your phone and call 311. For instance, we didn't do that when we saw the rat with no eyes. Because it's a rat. Yes, but I guess if you have, like, they just will not leave your trash alone or something, you can't get rid of them every time you try to go and throw your trash away. an army of eyeless rats. (laughs) I mean, that would probably do it. That's all the fuck we need. That would probably be the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you, let me say, mm-hmm. for, the, for the audience's information, mm-hmm. handled it. I mean, you were a little alarmed in the TikTok with the audio. Uh-huh. You were not happy I was filming. You wanted to get GTFO, as they say. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. GTFO, get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Um, but you've been, you haven't been a weirdo or, or jumpy or skittish or afraid, panicked. At all. I, I haven't. Well, you've been hiding it from me pretty well. No, you have gotten irritated with me twice, at least, because I got concerned about a squirrel. You got that more was concerned about the pigeons yesterday on the walk. Okay, I was definitely you concerned. You thought there was an attack underway. No, I just yelled, I don't want to be too close to it, and I tried to get out of the way. <laughs> right, but so anyway, with the rats, you've been a fucking trooper. Sure. Like well, Brittany is team rat. Again, I am not team rat. But you are it, fucking team rat. Again, the first rat ran under the dinner, dinner table between my feet. Yeah. So it was quite the introduction. So and what's what's the, the, the phobia treatment? Is it? Flooding. Is it like a total immersion? What's it called? Is that flooding? Is that what they call it? Where you're just. One of the techniques. Yeah, they just fucking like, if you're afraid of heights, they dangle you from a tall building yeah, or something. Exposure therapy. Exposure yeah. therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. You, you just you're cured because the rat was dancing on your feet, begging for treats it, like a it dog. Was, it was not dancing on my feet. That is an exaggeration. It that ran up and down your your pant leg okay. to keep your calves warm. I would have needed to be transported to the hospital <laughs> had that happened. So, it so didn't who happen. else who else lives in a city where there's a rat situation? Because this is new for us. It is yes. I mean, we got we had a couple of mouse traps and killed a couple of mice in our place in California. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was significant. Yeah, and those were little tiny. Well, at least these ones aren't in the house. Yeah, for na- well, for now. I mean, for we now. would we would have pets. I mean, they they are the size of cats. They would be like having animals in the house, not like ants or a little mouse. Yeah, so we'll worry about that at another time. <sighs> Things are good, everybody. Mm-hmm. Actually, things are good. They are. We've been walking a lot, like mm-hmm. you said at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm down like 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. Good job. Walking. We've been walking five to seven miles a day. Yes, we have. Mm-hmm. Walking ha- here, walking there. My resting heart rate went down this week. Well, that's you're a boss. Very exciting. I don't track that kind of thing, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Your Maybe. Fit, your Fitbit tracks it for you. So. Well, I don't look at that kind of thing. I'm, Maybe you should. I'm just uh, too busy with all the important stuff. Mm. <laughs> Super busy. 
Anyway, last time on the show, we're going to get some listener communication here. Last time on the show, we talked about Merrick Garland and his seeming maybe interest in pursuing justice for Donald Trump and the many crimes committed by Donald Trump and his cohort of alleged, cover ourselves here. Allegedly. Allegedly criminal pals. Allegedly. Allegedly. And we got some feedback about, well, you know what? Let me say this. And I appreciate the feedback that agrees. I, we always appreciate the feedback that doesn't agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really is kind of a distinction between the two audiences, between my YouTube audience and the podcast audience, because I get a lot of pushback from the YouTube audience. Like, Leave him alone. I have total faith and confidence in Merrick Garland. He's going to do the right thing. Get that a lot. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get that at all. Yeah. But we did get this. It's Noah from North Carolina. Um, I was just listening to your most recent episode and was actually just finishing the segment about Merrick Garland. And Jesse, I just want to echo exactly what you said. I am so sick and tired of this little Muppet man sitting on his ass doing nothing. I cannot imagine how you would treat the people who denied your Supreme Court nomination like angels, I would have gotten to the attorney general's office and gone hard as a motherfucker on all of those Republican ass bitches. So I'm just confused as to why he seems to be asleep at the wheel. I feel like we need to put his face on a milk carton. Where the hell is he at? All right. Well, love you. Bye. So it's interesting that this is the perspective because I think this is the very reason why he's dragging his feet Mm -hmm. is for fear that people think that he's just going scorched earth right? and punishing those who stripped him of a lifetime Supreme Court appointment. You know what's interesting is that the partisanship is so strong, like you were talking about with your YouTube audience response to when you talk about Merrick Garland. The partisanship is so strong that it prompts defense of Merrick Garland, but not criticism of him when he isn't taking the necessary action against Trump that you would think they would want him to take. Yeah. Like it's more important for them to defend someone in the Democratic administration. I think that's right. Than it is for them to support him going after a Republican. That's kind of strange to me. It's very weird. Uh, it's it's team, team, team mm-hmm. more than what's the right outcome? Mm-hmm. What's the correct outcome? What... Is it the Department of Justice or is it the Department of, of you know, just get along to go along to get along or whatever the phrase is? Mm-hmm. Just, but, just but collect pe- evidence because it's interesting. Yeah, to look but, at. <laughs> but people for sure absolutely are, they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt based on nothing, mm-hmm. based on fucking nothing other than the fact that he's appointed by a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, well, well, just give it time. Give it how much fucking time? I mean, now I'm going to go off and how much time? He's been over a year. It's been over a year. Yes, we've seen over 750 cases brought with the randos who attacked the Capitol. But what about the the, the people who incited the randos? Anyway, yeah, not great. Yes, absolutely not great, but we appreciate that voicemail from Noah. We want to give a quick shout out to Jessica on Patreon. Jessica on Patreon sent us a message. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. Wasn't sure if you've talked about this judge in Arizona yet, Judge Aaron Otis. I just saw this ABC investigation. Apparently, she stepped down from being a judge while she was being investigated 
but is now a prosecutor possibly still doing harm. And then Jessica linked to a YouTube video, ABC 15 exposes astonishing and horrific conduct by judge and staff in major cases. This was too long for us to really play anything from because it's a over nine minute investigation by by this uh, news organization. But I would recommend that everyone go watch this because I'm assuming Jessica sent this to us, given we like to talk about judges engaged in bad behavior. And this fits perfectly with that. Oh, my God. It's horrifying. Yes. The shit that they were doing to both defendants and and plaintiffs in cases. It's like sending memes back and forth while the person is giving testimony. Yes. Yeah. And this is serious cases. I mean, death penalty cases, yes. murder trials. And again, this is a Maricopa County Superior Court judge. Of course, it's Maricopa County. Aaron Otis. We're talking about racist memes, sexist memes, just wildly inappropriate behavior that you would not expect from a judge overseeing a death penalty. And, well, and then what happened? She did step down while the, the, the investigation was going on. But then the ethics board or whatever judicial panel just let her off the hook completely let her off the hook and i mean it's just it's a miscarriage Mm -hmm. you don't get to sit in judgment of other people and be a flagrant just unethical and terrible you just vile sinister person yeah so thank you jessica for encouraging us to highlight this for the audience so that they can check it out because it is definitely important absolutely all right, well, before we move on, a word from this month's sponsor. Thank you, Aura. Aura. Did you know that the average online consumer has 90 accounts? And with those 90 accounts, do you think that the average online consumer has 90 passwords? How many passwords do you have for your various internet accounts? The answer for most people is not enough. If someone were to get a hold of just one of your passwords, they would probably have access to multiple (laughs) accounts. That is definitely the case with me. This lack of password diversity is just one way in which we are all vulnerable to unwanted account access. And where there is unwanted account access, identity theft is never far behind. If you think this cannot happen to you, consider that U.S. consumers lost $56 billion to identity theft in 2020 alone. Well, we here on the show have a solution, of course. We would like to introduce and thank Aura, a sponsor of the show. In one easy-to-use app, Aura will protect you with fraud monitoring, a VPN, identity theft protection with insurance, password management, and antivirus software. Head to Aura.com forward slash I doubt it or click the link in the show notes to sign up for your free Sign up for your free two-week trial and join the more than one million people already protecting their digital security with Aura. Aura will scour the web for use of your emails, passwords, and social security numbers. Their robust VPN will anonymously encrypt your personal information and browsing history. Aura will work to fight against malicious malware trying to infect your computer and spy on your activity. And with your accounts connected to Aura, you will be notified four times faster of security concerns than with any of Aura's competitors. When it comes to fraud, every single second matters. Start your free two-week trial. Start your free two-week trial now by clicking the link in the podcast notes or head to Aura.com forward slash I doubt it. Aura, your online security depends on it. 
Once again, thank you to Aura for sponsoring the podcast this month. We appreciate it. Uh, take advantage of that uh, free two-week trial. Um, before we move on, let's hit some little, a little bit of follow-up. Let's hit some little follow-up. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not little follow-up. It's huge. Yes. We, what we're witnessing right now, in advance of the June-slash-July verdict in the the abortion case being heard by the Supreme Court, is a fucking race to the bottom. It is a uh, a contest of who could be the most regressive all across the country, whether that be about the 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 CRT panic that is battling against something that's not happening, whether it be about anti-trans bigotry bills, or whether it be about abortion, we're seeing it from Florida to Texas. And again, this week, we're going to talk about Idaho. And Idaho is following Texas's lead by prohibiting abortions after six weeks and allowing family members of a pre-born child, that's the quote, to sue abortion providers. 51 eyes, 14 nays, five absences excused. The majority having voted in favor of Senate Bill 1309. Senate Bill 1309 has passed the House. One of the most controversial bills of the session is now headed to the governor's desk. Senate Bill 1309, the Texas-style abortion bill, passed the House after a pretty short debate. This bill would ban abortions after six weeks. That's not all. It would also allow immediate family members, including grandparents, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, to sue the doctor who performed the abortion for a minimum of $20,000. That's the penalty. If a woman was raped, well, the rapist couldn't file a lawsuit, but relatives of the rapist could. Abortion is not a constitutional right. This is something that we've created and that the Supreme Court in 1973 did something that that was never allowed in the first place. No one's most intimate medical decisions should be controlled by us. I don't think the, the 105 Idaho legislators need to be in the exam room um, between a pregnant person and the doctor. And that's exactly what this bill does. Sure, there are exceptions for rape and for medical purposes. But if that rapist happens to be a family member... They could sue as well. There was talk about if this would withstand a, co- a challenge in court. As of today, Texas's bill has withstood three court challenges. Opponents say it's unconstitutional, the Idaho bill, adding that most women don't know they're even pregnant at six weeks. Now awaits the signature of Governor Brad Little, and no word on if he will sign it, but he did last year sign a fetal heartbeat law that would ban abortions once a heartbeat is detected. That law would go into effect should Roe v. Wade be overturned. This bill, if signed and if held up in court, according to an opinion issued by the AG's office, would likely prohibit almost all abortions in Idaho. So did you hear that goofball there, the Republican who said abortion is not a constitutional right? The Supreme Court in 1973 did something that was never allowed in the first place. How Uh, many things could you say that about? Right. Yeah. (laughs) How many significant things can you say that about? It is remarkable that a bill in 2022 just is getting ready to be signed by the governor. Who's a dipshit, by the way? They're trying to shift the Overton window in in grand fashion in Idaho because people like my parents think that Brad Little, who is a radical, they believe he's a rhino. He's a Republican in name only. He's not a real Republican. He's not radical enough. But they are efforting to pass a bill where the family members of a someone who rapes and impregnates another person they get to sue to make certain that this person doesn't have an abortion. And if they do, they can monetarily gain from that person having an abortion. 
If there is an evil, that is it. Could there be anything more sickening and sinister than allowing the family of a rapist to sue the victim for monetary gain? Well, in Texas, in, in Texas, abortions have dropped 60% since yeah. the law took effect in September. And some clinics in neighboring states have seen an 800% increase in demand for abortion because women are going across state borders to then obtain abortions that they cannot get in Texas. The women who can afford to go. Right. And one of those states is Oklahoma, but Oklahoma is now considering its own six-week ban, of course, as mentioned in that news package, before many women even know that they're pregnant. Yeah. Disgusting. So... I have kind of reached to this point where almost daily I wake up and sometimes just feel randomly like I'm going to cry because I know they're not waiting for Roe to be overturned. Most certainly they are not. And and this is already happening, but I'm so scared for what is going to happen as we get closer to June or July when this decision is officially going to be handed down. And the decision doesn't even need to be handed down, like I just said. I mean, in Texas and Idaho, you effectively do not have the right to get an abortion Yeah, in in two states, in Texas and in Idaho. And how terrifying. And more coming. Every day, efforts are are taking place to have that be more states than just Texas and Idaho. So, I mean, I know that there's no real way to be uplifting about this, but uh, it's something that is weighing on me a lot because it's going to affect a lot of people in a very terrible way. Yeah. And I, I don't think that Republican lawmakers are foreseeing the consequences of this. I mean, they want to talk about a pre-born child, but what are they going to do to support these kids that are going to end up being born into situations? Yeah, that's not a concern for them. I mean... I mean, it, it, it is... The bill passes, it gets signed by the governor, d- uh, abortions are disallowed, they're illegal... And then they, they, oh, job well done. And they move on. Yeah. And fuck those kids. Fuck the post-born kids. They don't, they're not my concern. I just forced, made it happen that they, they had to be born. It's gross. It's gross. In not all the states, though, are things as bleak. Yeah, Colorado is one example of a state that is doing what really other states should be doing as June or July approaches with the decision on Roe because they passed legislation uh, to codify the right to an abortion in the state. The House will now come to order. Tonight, history on the Hill. I think there are plenty of uh, policies. Following 24 hours of fierce debate between lawmakers, the longest ever recorded in our state, the Reproductive Health Equity Act has passed the State House on a preliminary vote. I'm incredibly proud of the work that we did in the last 24 hours to secure the right for Colorado women to have a choice when it comes to their reproductive health care. House Majority Leader Denea Esgar is sponsoring this bill along with Representative Meg Froelich. Supporters of the bill say it aims to update the state's current laws to protect reproductive rights, including preserving the right to choose. It's bittersweet. You know, it, it's amazing to be able to do this for the women of Colorado, but the fact that we have to do this is the part that that doesn't necessarily make me excited. Meanwhile, outside of these chambers... This bill is unacceptable. The other side of this story... Hey, hey, ho, ho! We want to go! 
chants against choice from those taking part in Saturday's pro-life rally on the Capitol steps. I think all sides should be able to agree on viability at a minimum. The proposed law comes as states across the country propose and even pass new bans and restrictions on abortion access. With the uncertainty of what could happen federally coming this summer, we knew that we had to act today to make sure that we were protecting Coloradans. If the child can survive outside the room, why do you have the right to end that life? Is there any further discussion? Tonight, the division over the right to choose remains clear as this controversial bill clears a major milestone. House Bill 1279 is passed. In the State House. And we did reach out to Republican members for this story. You can see their latest comment on our website right now, KDVR.com. By the way, today's vote was a voice vote, but Monday will be the final recorded vote, which is expected to be along party lines. We'll keep you posted on that. Here's what's disingenuous about this. You hear these people interviewed, and all they want to talk about is viability, but their Republican counterparts all across the country don't give a fuck about that particular side of the issue, viability, because they're passing six-week bans. Mm -hmm. This isn't about viability. And to act passionate about that side of it is disingenuous at, at at the very least. Yeah. So this legislation in Colorado states that, quote, every individual has a fundamental right to use or refuse contraception. Every pregnant individual has a fundamental right to continue the pregnancy and give birth or to have an abortion. And a fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus does not have independent or derivative rights under the laws of the state. What they need to do is not just pass pass individual legislation. They need to amend their constitutions so a future Republican uh, legislature can't easily undo it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that needs to be happening all across, all across the country. Mm -hmm. Take advantage of the fact that you have a Democratic legislature that is um, concerned about uh, civil and human rights. Yeah. And and make it fucking happen. Yeah. The other thing about this that is, came to mind is when the the, the phrase Texas style Mm. in in the previous clip Mm -hmm. That is that really what Texas? When you think of Texas style, you think of food or or something else. You don't think of Texas style oppression, mm-hmm. or at least it didn't used to be the very first thing you thought of. And when you hear the words Texas style, yeah, you do. You you think of regressive politics, probably a badge of honor for Greg Abbott. Absolutely gross. Uh, anyway, we'd love to know what you think. Six five seven four six four. 7609, of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Scott G. Scott G. James C. James C. Colin H. Colin H. Bob B. Bob B. And William E. William E. And then we would like to give a special shout out to our Patreon supporter, Cynthia S. Cynthia S. Cynthia S. for 
increasing the pledge. Yes. Very awesome. We also got a notification about Yuri. Yuri in Korea. Oh, yeah. Haven't seen Yuri's name in a long time. So uh, thank you to Yuri becoming an annual. Or or heard from her either. An annual Patreon member. Yes. Thank you very, very much. We appreciate you guys all very much. Um, Without you, none of this would be here. Um, And that includes the entire operation. Without the podcast audience even, there wouldn't be YouTube. So we we very much appreciate your your listenership, your passion, your, your loyalty, and your uh, the community that you've built around the show. It is a a fantastic thing to say to see, not to say. Ah, it's good to say too. <laughs> All right, moving on. Dilemocracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Speaking of abortion debates, the natural the natural extension of that conversation is the fact that we have a Supreme Court battle on our hands. Stephen Breyer is retiring. Joe Biden has nominated Katanji Brown Jackson, a, a federal judge, to replace Stephen Breyer. And it is going to be, without a doubt, a fight And we want to talk about exactly what is going to be entailed in that. And on Capitol Hill today, Supreme Court nominee Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson is meeting with senators ahead of her confirmation hearings next week. NBC News Capitol Hill correspondent Ali Vitale joins us now. Ali, first off, you know, who is Ketanji Brown-Jackson meeting with today? And really, how are the senators she's already met with responding to her? Well, look, Morgan, these have been bipartisan meetings that have been going on for several weeks now as Ketanji Brown-Jackson has been making her rounds around the Hill, doing what all Supreme Court justice nominees do, which is talk to members of both sides of the aisle, trying to explain to them their judicial philosophy, the ways that they have thought about the role of the courts and the justices that sit on it. But then also these meetings have veered into the personal. Several senators saying that they've shared their views of family and how important a priority that is to them. So these meetings really do take on a broad tone. In terms of today, she's got several Republicans and Democrats on her agenda, including Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia, who she met with this morning, Senator Marco Rubio as well. And those meetings will go until later into the afternoon. What we've heard from multiple lawmakers, though, and of course we pay attention to what the Republicans say on this, but Democrats as well, is they speak to her qualifications. The note with Republicans, though, is that even as they speak to her qualifications, they continue to bring up this idea of what is her judicial philosophy? And then recently we've seen them start to point to some of the more progressive groups who back her, and they might use that as reason to vo- to validate why they ultimately won't vote for her. But we are still looking to see if this is going to be a bipartisan confirmation at all, Morgan. Speaking of that confirmation, though, Allie, can you give us a sense of timeline? Because the Senate Judiciary Committee announced the schedule for her hearings. What does it look like? Yeah, we're finally getting a sense of what that's going to look like next week, and it's going to be a jam-packed four days. You can pull it up on the screen because it starts off on Monday. We will hear on that day from Katanji Brown-Jackson herself. Senators will also speak on that day, giving their opening statements. She will speak on that day for the last 10 minutes or so for her opener. And then the next day is really when things get into it. Questions from committee members. Brown-Jackson will be fielding a lot of those. And then on Wednesday as well, we'll continue to hear testimony. But really, it's going to be jam-packed as Democrats try to do this in as speedy 
a fashion as possible while also making sure that all questions are answered and all senators feel that they've gotten enough time to consider who she is on paper as well as who she is in person during those hearings, Morgan. All right, NBC's Ali Vitale for us live from Capitol Hill. Ali, thank you. We're likely going to see the same kinds of games from Republicans who have previously expressed support for her. Right. Now claiming to have whatever issues that they have and having their staffers come up with questions to throw a wrench into things. It is an amazing thing that what we witnessed with the Amy Coney Barrett confirmation, 30 days from the the from the from the day she was um, nominated, Mm-hmm. To confirmation. Mm-hmm. 30 days. And here we are. Joe Biden nominated Katenji Brown-Jackson on the 25th of February. And we're in the middle of March. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just... Not, the, the, the fervor and the, the frenetic pace at which Amy Coney Barrett was rammed through is just a Republican... Just nonsense. Well, I wonder if it's going to be a moment that the Democrats and the Republicans come together and Dianne Feinstein can give Lindsey Graham a hug. Oh, yeah. And let him know that it was the best confirmation hearing that she's ever attended. Oh, she's the fucking worst. I mean, every time I hear about it again, and it's always you who reminds me. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I guess I I have a little bit of a hang up on it. It's It's terrible. But we're not playing those games. Democrats are not playing those games. Even in this clip, she's like, well, they want all senators to have as much time as they can to ask all the questions they need to ask. Right. Democrats are handling this in good faith as though they have equal partners in the Republican Party who also would be handling it in in good faith, except we have history as a guide to know that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Not good. I think I need to go walking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we would. We'd love to know what you think about this. What are, what are you expecting? Um, is there a silver lining here? 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Bill Maher. It cannot be his first time. There's no fucking way this is Bill Maher's first time as asshole of today. I doubt that it is. But I I will say that Bill Maher has been one of those figures that when we criticize him, it can garner quite the negative response from the audience. Oh, yeah. It's not as severe as criticizing Sam Harris, for example, or criticizing Joe Rogan. Or Elon Musk. These all weird cult figures. But I would say that in our criticism of those other people, the those that would come out and defend those various figures would also be likely to defend Bill Maher. Oh, of course. And probably the still watch his show. The anti-science bigot Bill Maher. Probably still watch his show, probably still enjoy his humor, and he... Well, he certainly enjoys his humor. Yeah, he does. He laughs a lot at his own jokes. That's sometimes what you gotta do, I guess, to buoy your spirits. <laughs> So he went on the Ben Shapiro show. Oh, of course he did. Naturally. Of course he did. There's some whores in this house. 
because what I mean, you would expect that, right? Bill Maher. Female genitalia. Bill Maher, the creator of the documentary film, Religious. Yeah. Is going on with Orthodox Jew, Ben Shapiro. Which seems like a natural move for the documentary filmmaker of Religious. The guy who tried to make himself the most famous atheist around. Who really goes after religious people in that documentary film that he made. <laughs> but Really driving it home. He sat down with Ben Shapiro to talk about how the party has left him. Mm. I haven't changed at all. My politics hasn't changed. They've changed. People say to me sometimes, you know, have you changed? No. It's, it's that five years ago, no one was talking about defunding the police. I never heard that phrase five years ago. That's not me changing. That's things changing. I'm reacting to it, as I've always been. Um, you know, letting three-year-olds decide what gender they are. This wasn't something five years ago. Free speech, you know, used to be a, a left-wing thing that we were proud and owned, and now that seems to be under attack. So again, I'm, I think I've stayed the same. Under attack by leftists? Yeah, by whom? Who? Who's attacking free speech, Bill? I mean... You're just saying things. It's so funny because he... I mean, when did that happen where he said the N-word on to, HBO? To Ben Sass. It was like four, four, four years ago or so. Oh, it feels like it was like six months ago. Yeah, no, it was... Yeah. Oh, so it's it's almost nearing the time period he's talking about when things really right. started to change for everyone. Right. Well, I can't even say the N-word anymore. What happened to free speech, y'all? Which he can, by the way. He kept his show. Everything was fine. Nothing happened. So what is he complaining about with free speech? Just a whiny, attention-seeking freak. That's but, what he is. Who, who, who wants to question the efficacy of vaccines, who wants to go on um, anti-trans rants on his show. Bill Maher's a piece of shit. It's it's frustrating because I think people still think of him as an ally in, in the cause. Of course they do. And if you go and watch this Ben Shapiro show appearance, it, it seems pretty clear that that is not the case. I mean, I think there's a lot of these figures that still call themselves liberals. Right. And don't actually adhere to liberal principles yeah think of the people who are the worst and some of those people are bill maher's friends milo yiannopoulos and coulter these people are friends or and coulter is certainly a friend of bill maher uh milo yiannopoulos the white supremacist it was just got buttered up to mm-hmm. by bill maher on I think, the show i think bill maher once called him a young christopher hitchens yeah that's right yeah. Which is very, very insulting. Just disgusting. To Christopher Hitchens, I mean. It is. So, the same. Now he's going on, making appearances, promoting the Daily Wire. Get, he's just another Tulsi Gabbard. He's just another Glenn Greenwald. He just has a larger audience because he's got an HBO show. Mm-hmm. It just. Ugh. Well, and it must be a popular and profitable pivot for him. So. It must be for all of them. Yeah. Yeah, because it's working for many of them, mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, next you're going to see Bill Maher. And what, what is the next step? Fox News appearances? Going on Hannity and whining about the left? Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, that's what's next. Going on Tucker Carlson. Yeah. And commiserating about Russian propaganda. Mm-hmm. Ugh, just stupid.
Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. Marina Asianikova. Yes. I and saw that clip. Hopefully I pronounced the name correctly. But Marina is a... Marina is a producer on a Russian state television program. I think it's safe to say she was... She was a <laughs> was a producer on uh, Russia's state TV flagship program, and during a broadcast, she came out. This was yesterday, holding a sign that said "Stop the War," among other things, and was saying "Stop the War." And obviously, this is putting herself at great personal risk. Yeah, the the R- Russian Assembly or legislature, their 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 lawmaking body just passed a law. Um, attaching 15-year prison sentences for telling the truth about what's going on in Ukraine right now. Active protest unfolding on live television in Russia last night. An editor for one of the country's state-owned channels burst onto the set of the nightly news broadcast there, shouting no war, also holding up a sign. She's become one of the thousands of Russians arrested or detained for speaking up against the invasion of Ukraine. Deborah Pata has more. A courageous act of defiance in a country where there is zero tolerance for criticism of Russia's war on Ukraine. Marina Ofsanikova, an editor for Russia's state-run Channel One, bursting onto the set of the nightly newscast, shouting, stop the war, no to war, before the channel switched to a different report. In a video posted online before her demonstration, Ofsanikova explained she was ashamed of her role in spreading Russian propaganda and urged Russians to go out and protest, saying what is happening now in Ukraine is a crime and Russia is the aggressor country. The responsibility for that aggression lies on the conscience of only one man, and that man is Vladimir Putin. A Russian human rights organization later said that she'd been arrested. Earlier this month, the Kremlin passed a law that carries up to 15 years in prison for spreading any views on the military it deems false. It came amid widespread protests throughout the country and almost 15,000 police arrests. I have never seen anything like the act of courage exhibited by Marina Ovsannikova. Julia Davis is a Russian media analyst and columnist for the Daily Beast. Marina is facing incredible risks to her life, her safety, her future. Uh, She knew that and she willingly took that risk. My hat is off to her. For CBS Mornings, Deborah Patter, London. Lawyers with a human rights group told the Washington Post that they are unable to locate her more than 12 hours after she has been detained. It is, listen, a a lot of people throw the word brave around, um, I believe, inappropriately. I I don't believe it's inappropriate in this case to call this woman brave. Um, It is absolute personal peril that she's putting herself in and to get the message out because she had a platform. And a lot of Russians probably don't even know that there's another narrative. Right. And they see it on the national thing. Oh, shit, somebody else has a different opinion. What's that about? Right. So, yeah. For sure, taking care of biz. Yeah, absolutely taking care of biz. And 
I mean, it also juxtaposing this with what Bill Maher was just complaining about I with the attacks on free speech. I'm glad you did. It. I didn't notice that until sitting here listening to both news clips where it just makes it so apparent that he is so petty and childish. Whining about freedom of speech when he can go anywhere he wants and say anything he wants, his freedom of speech is not infringed. Right, but sometimes he gets a little criticism. Yeah. That's not being dragged off a set. That's exactly right. Thrown into jail, and now you don't you don't know where she is. Yeah, when, when Bill Maher used the N-word with Ben Sass on his nationally, internationally televised program... He wasn't dragged off and didn't disappear. Mm-hmm. We we know where he is. Yeah. He's, he's best friends with Ben Shapiro. He's likely somewhere laughing at his own jokes. <laughs> we know where Ben where 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 <laughs> Bill Maher is. Oh good. So anyway, again, this is another story we'd love your opinion on. 657-464-7609. Email those voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Thank you all for your time and attention. Thank you all for your listenership and your loyalty. Thanks for supporting the show. If you are interested in, if you've been on the fence and you just haven't gotten around to it, please do consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast and help support the show there. There are rewards and a bunch of other stuff, but you can know that you are helping produce the show and helping us move the conversation forward on an episode-by-episode basis. We love you. We will see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt.